Hello, brothers, sisters of the Eagle Mountain, Utah East Stake. Welcome to the Stake Sunday School Podcast. Just want to remind you that this podcast does not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Tonight, we're going to have just the presidency on. No guests tonight, just the four of us. So we'll talk about a chapter from the Teaching in the Savior's Way manual. But first, let's have them introduce themselves. And tonight, brothers, I'd love to hear about the best vacation you've ever been on. Brother Gail, my favorite vacation, I've had several with my family, and I think that's kind of what makes a lot of them great. Uh, but I want to say probably the most different and eye-opener was when we went to Oman. My uncle was living over there and teaching at the Sultan's University, and we had a lot of cool, distinct memories from that. I think I was in fourth grade when we went to it. It's very interesting to see different cultures. That was by far my favorite. Where is Oman? Saudi Arabia. It's really nice. Uh, this is Brother Mansell. And one of my favorite vacations uh, that I've been on is a little hike down to Havasupai, a little Indian reservation down south in Arizona. I've uh, been there a couple times and uh, backpacked in with my family and a couple times with friends and uh, it's just a good place. It's beautiful down there. So love it. And brother Shepard, um, can never go wrong with Disneyland, but I wouldn't say that's my favorite. We go there a lot, but my favorite of all times, probably when, uh, we went back to Brazil for a week and kind of traveled to Rio and a couple other places in Brazil that we've lived when my dad was a mission president. So it's fun to go back and visit family and then do some touristy stuff that we didn't do a lot of when we were down there. That's awesome. That's one place I'd really like to go to, honestly. Looks like a beautiful place. I'd have to say my favorite vacation, I've been to Jamaica twice. I really love Jamaica. It's just a laid-back place to be. Riding horses on the beach and in the ocean is something me and my wife love doing. So, Let's get into our podcast tonight. Let's talk about how we can become better teachers in our home. It's great that we're going back to church. We're not doing classroom at church. So the gospel is being taught almost exclusively in our homes with our own families. So hopefully this podcast is providing you with some motivation and inspiration on how to become the best teacher that you can be so that the gospel can be taught in your home. Tonight we're going we're gonna to go from the, the manual teaching in the Savior's way. The chapter we're going to be looking at and referencing tonight is called Live the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Your first question may be, How does living the gospel help me teach the gospel? So we're going to answer that question first. The very first paragraph in the manual says, To be a Christ-like teacher, perhaps the most important thing you can do is follow the Savior's example of obedience and live the gospel with all your heart. And so from the very start, it tells you right there, if you want to be a great teacher, live the gospel. Let me ask my presidency, why is that? I think uh, a major reason is the, the next sentence. It says, this principle, uh, this is the principal way to qualify for the companionship of the Holy Ghost. And uh, in the home, and obviously in the classroom, anytime you're teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need the Spirit. You need the Holy Ghost. He is the teacher and can teach an individual uh, what they need to know from Heavenly Father. Uh, when I read that, as I was studying this in preparation for the podcast, it reminded me of uh, uh, one, one line from Preach My Gospel. 
It's on page 176. It says, it's talking obviously about missionaries teaching investigators, but I think it's absolutely uh, applicable to, to what we're talking about tonight. Uh, it says there, referring to investigators, but we can talk about uh, those that we're teaching. It says, their understanding will be influenced by your personal worthiness. And uh, I think when we are obedient and we're living the gospel, uh, we qualify for the Holy Ghost and our worthiness will help influence the people we're teaching their understanding and their own conversion. That's really good stuff, Brother Mansell. Thank you for sharing that with us. In this chapter, there's a quote from Elder Boyd K. Packer. He says that power comes when a teacher has done all that he can to prepare, not just the individual lesson, but in keeping his life in tune with the Spirit. So we've already talked about this principle, but the word power is the first word that he uses. So power comes when when we live the gospel. What is the power he's talking about? Um, I like, I think when I think of power, um, I think obviously the spirit, but down below that quote, you know, where it's talking about the Savior's life, it says, but the Savior's power to teach and lift others came from the way he lived and the kind of person he was. The more diligently you strive to live like Jesus Christ, the more you'll be able to teach like him. Uh, So I think that power is just by living the way Christ did and trying to be like him. And that way you're going to be a better teacher in your home. Uh, for your your classes when they come back, um, just being an overall good person as well. I think a lot of times we can probably just go to the hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. And it's hindsight uh, when you think about the teachers that had an impact in your life. Uh, you can identify things that really stood out to you. And you can a lot of times mimic what your teachers did that were excellent for you. Then you have to actually do when that's part of being in your life. And if you ever taught anybody, I think a lot of times, you know, if the student knows or uh, the person you're teaching knows, like if you've had any time to prepare, a lot of times I have an internal button in my head that if somebody apologizes for not being prepared, I kind of turn my ears off, which is probably not a good thing, but I've also kind of repented of that and said, okay, no matter what they do or bring, I can find one thing. That responsibility is on me as a learner is I can find one thing from what they have or haven't prepared. Thank you for those comments, Brother Shepherd and Brother Gale. As I've studied the power, I think that really comes from obedience to the laws of God. I think the priesthood has a lot to do with that. As I was studying this lesson, I actually remembered a quote from General Conference, Elder Oaks gave a great talk on the Melchizedek Priesthood and the Keys. Listen to this, what he said. If fathers would magnify their priesthood in their own family, it would further the mission of the church as much as anything else they might do. Fathers who hold the Melchizedek Priesthood should exercise their authority by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned. Holders of the priesthood should keep the commandments so they will have the power of the priesthood. When we're talking about teaching the gospel to our families, living the gospel is really the way to do that. And it's so important. I really really like what has been shared. And uh, as I've been listening, I've been pondering about what that power is. And uh, I'm reminded of of a little episode in Helaman chapter 5. 
uh, where Lehi and Nephi, the sons of Helaman, uh, have this experience where they're preaching to some dissenters. I'm going to read these verses. It's in Helaman chapter 5, 17 to 19. And uh, I think that if you're listening here, you, you'll listen to what that power could be and what that power could do for a teacher. Uh, it says, And it came to pass that they did preach with great power, insomuch that they did confound many of those dissenters who had gone over from the Nephites, insomuch that they came forth and did confess their sins and were baptized unto repentance, and immediately returned to the Nephites to endeavor to repair unto them the wrongs which they had done. And it came to pass that Nephi and Lehi did preach unto the Lamanites with such great power and authority, for they had power and authority given unto them that they might speak. And they also had what they should speak given unto them. Therefore, they did speak unto the great astonishment of the Lamanites, to the convincing them, uh, insomuch that there were 8,000 of the Lamanites who were in the land of Zarahemla and round about baptized into repentance and convinced of their wickedness and the traditions of their father. Uh, I think that power, a couple words that stuck out to me in those verses, that uh, a convincing power, that when we are living worthy ourselves and we, and we testify and we teach truth, uh, there's something that in the way that we speak and the way that we're living that will convince people to want to live better and to repent and come unto Christ. Uh, I also love the very end of verse 18. And as I think this is a huge comfort for any teacher, it says, because they had that power and authority, uh, it says they were given uh, what they might speak, right? What was given to them. I think uh, that's what you want when you teach, right? You want the spirit influencing you on what to speak and how to speak it so that those that are are listening are moved to action. And so that power, I think, is, is really relevant in those verses. Thank you so much for sharing that, Brother Mansell. When, you know, the Lamanites, it talks about when they're in their spiritual apostasy and they don't accept a lot of the prophets. The one thing that was, I think, the benefit of them is they had an importance of family that family unit was still important. And I think it specifically states that, you know, it's like the Nephites had, you know, they went a little bit more into their concubines and, and with the Lamanites, they had that family unit. And I think uh, if we take a lesson from that, even nowadays, that's how important the family is to keep your family units together and hold strong to each other. And during, you know, the, the quarantine, I think a lot of us realized how important it was. Uh, for us to have our family. Thank you, Brother Gail. We've talked about the importance of living the gospel, the importance of keeping the commandments. Now, how do we do that? I think there's a couple things in this chapter that we can learn from. The first one is something cool I found. There's a self-evaluation activity. What it does is it talks about understanding our weaknesses and understanding what we can be better in as far as living the gospel. And there's some questions that you ask yourself and you, and you rate yourself based on doing something rarely, sometimes, often, or almost always. And just listen to a couple of these questions and, and maybe just ask yourself these questions as, as I go. The first one, I pray for those I teach. So do you as a father or a mother, do you pray for your children? Next one, I express my love to the people I teach. Again, do I express that I love my children? This is part of being uh, like the Savior. Make sure they know how you feel about them. 
the next one is I understand the needs and experiences of those I teach. We always have to be trying to understand what our kids need, what our families need. It goes on. There's, there's lots of questions. Uh, one of them is, I strive to live worthy of the companionship of the Holy Ghost. So th- these are things we can do. We look, at, we look at ourselves and we evaluate, you know, how can I get better? And then we all know that if we desire to be better and to become more like Christ, as simple as asking for the help and then doing everything we can to do that and letting the atonement be applied into our lives. I think that uh, sometimes when we examine our lives and even uh, striving to become like the Savior, it's easy to become discouraged. And uh, down at the one of the subjects in this, this chapter is under repentance. Uh, it says, in your efforts to live and teach more like the Savior, you will inevitably fall short at times. And it says, do not become discouraged. Rather, let your mistakes and weaknesses turn you to Heavenly Father and the Savior. Draw strength from, the, uh, from Christ's atonement. I love that little self-evaluation that you you mentioned, Brother Zulo. And uh, as I was reading over some of those, I was I was thinking about my shortcomings, and then I read through to this repentance part, and uh, I just thought how grateful I am for Jesus Christ and His atonement. That uh, I'm not required to be the perfect teacher or even necessarily live in a perfect way, but rather I can turn to the Savior in my weaknesses, and I can become stronger and a better teacher if I'm willing to trust and lean on him and willing to put in the work. You brought up repentance, Brother Mansell. I'm glad you did. So let me ask my presidency this question. What is the connection between repentance and teaching? They go hand in hand, really. Um, if you're teaching, you want somebody to learn something. If they want are going to actually learn it, they're going to change something in their life to make their life better. That's kind of what repentance is, learning to be better. And when you're learning by the, you know, the gospel and by the Holy Ghost, I think easier for you to make those changes, easier to to live by the gospel principles. And you don't stop that process. I mean, the first principles are a continuous thing that you have to do. You continually have to have faith. You continually have to repent and live by your baptismal covenants. So with that question, you know, you got Alma 20, uh, chapter 26, verses 21 to 22, but I'll focus more on uh, verse 22. And it says, Yea, he that repenteth and exerciseth faith and bringeth forth good works and prayeth continually without ceasing. Unto such it is given to know the mysteries of God. Yea, unto such it shall be given to reveal things which never have been revealed. Yea, and it shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls to repentance even has been given unto us to bring these, our brethren, to repentance. It just goes hand in hand with teaching and repentance, you know. After we repent and, and exercise faith, well, we're supposed to go out and bring forth good works by teaching and, you know, showing what we've learned. Uh, if you focus on your repentance and you exercise faith, and you're going to want to help other people um, feel that, that repentance and um, feel the Spirit again as well. That's excellent, Brother Shepherd. I love that verse. It just says it right there. If we repent, thousands of souls can have the mysteries of God revealed to them through your teaching. That's what Ammon did. That's, that's who's speaking is Ammon. And we know what he did and through his repentance process. He was able, able to become a great teacher the way the, the, the way the Savior is.
I think a lot of that has to do with humility, right? I think it takes a lot to be a repentant person, especially to be humble. And I think about the most teachable people uh, I know are those that are humble. And I think a teacher needs to be teachable uh, so that they know what to teach those that they are teaching. Uh, and that's when I read that verse, I think that's what, what I'm hearing is it says, yea, unto such it shall be given to reveal things which never have been revealed. Yea, it shall be given unto such to bring thousands of souls to repentance. I think that that those who are humble will know what to say to those they are teaching to bring them to repentance and to bring them to a conversion. Uh, and there, there is just no way uh, that you can have things revealed that have never been revealed unless you're humble and willing to have, uh, willing to repent and be teachable. That's excellent, Brother Mansell. I love that thought of being humble as a teacher. It makes me think about teachers in my life who've made a big impact, and all of them just had this aura of humility about them. So I think about myself as a teacher. If my children can see the humility in me, and, and feel the love I have for them, I know that the Holy Ghost can tell them that what I'm teaching them is true. When our children have those spiritual experiences, that's how they can change, and that's how they can desire to repent. Well, brothers, it's been a great discussion. I've really felt the Spirit. I know that things that you have shared and that we have shared are true. I would like to turn the time over to Brother Mansell to give an invitation and to close us. Brother Mansell. I just have a, a little quote here from President Eyring, uh, and he just talks about self-improvement. And as we've been kind of talking uh, this evening, we've learned about repentance and making some changes in the way that we live and prepare to, to maybe teach in our house. Uh, Elder or President Eyring said this. He says, most of us have had some experience with self-improvement efforts. My experience has taught me this about how people and organizations improve. The best place to look is for small changes we can make in things we do often. There is power in steadiness and repetition. And if we can be led by inspiration to choose the right small things to change, consistent obedience will bring great improvement. And so I would just invite all of our listeners, uh, rather than making huge wholesale changes to, to what we've talked about, but rather look for the small things that you do often and choose those small things under inspiration and great improvements will come to pass and you will be able to access that power that President uh, Packer talked about at the beginning of this, the power to, uh, and the way that you teach into convincing and, and uh, have powerful teaching. And uh, with that, we thank you for listening and we hope you have a wonderful evening.